Hello everyone and welcome back guys to a brand new video where Damien and I are today back once more with the unnamed motorsport podcast. Yesterday, here to review the highly, highly controversial Italian Grand Prix. There's actually quite a bit to dissect uh, from this weekend, obviously apart from the, the major, major thing as well. But quickly before we jump into that, Jamie, how, how are you getting on this week, mate? I'm good, yeah. Didn't actually watch the race live, but I've seen what I need to see and have my own opinions, so it's all fine. Exactly. This one is, I think, going to get spicy uh, between Jamie and I as well. I probably should add as well, uh, I've just had my second, the word you can't say on YouTube vaccine. Uh, so safe to say, I, I mean, I had it yesterday. So I'm basically dead today for this podcast as well. There, So it's going to be an interesting one. I think we'll see how we fare as well over the course of it as well. But yeah, if I fall asleep halfway through, you guys uh, will know why as well there. But yeah, let's quickly dive in then first of all of course to the pre-weekend news that we kind of discussed now obviously at the end of the last podcast Jamie and I predicted apparently rather badly uh who we reckon would be in the seats ready for 2022 of course with Alfa Romeo, Haas and Williams uh obviously we already knew about uh Bottas going to Williams at that point we basically Mayo. said that Russell was going to get sorry yeah to <laughs> Alfa Romeo even that's really bad isn't it um We'd already obviously confirmed as well that Russell was going to Mercedes despite the fact that we recorded it before it was confirmed, but the video came out after it was confirmed. But then, Albon got confirmed to Williams, and that wasn't a major surprise, was it, Jamie? I think I but called still it. certainly rather interesting. Maybe some. I think we both said it was going to happen. Yeah, I think we said it was going to happen. Didn't we? I think so far, my uh, out of the six drivers in the six slots in the bottom three, I've got five of them right, and the one more is Guan Yu Zhou, so that's going to happen as well. Yeah, rather. Well, I mean, we'll discuss that in just a moment then. Uh, but yeah, Albon obviously got confirmed to Williams. Rather quietly, they confirmed Latifi alongside him again. Uh, I actually called that a few weeks ago, if you remember, mm, back to when Tictum got dropped. I said that was happening then. Not really too sure why Latifi's been kept for another year, unless they just sort of want to benchmark him against Albon. But you had a year at Dams together, and Albon wiped the floor with Latifi yeah, Latifi's there. Yeah, going to get ripped uh, so, again. <laughs> probably. I mean... Is he just going to be one of those drivers that we kind of always forget is in Formula 1? Or do we think maybe at some point soon Williams might get rid? He'll be gone. Like, this will be his last contract. I'm, fi I'm fairly certain. Unless he picks it up massively. Really? I was going to say, because I think this is the thing, isn't it? It really depends on how well Williams are doing. Because if, say for example, Albon's consistently sort of fighting around the points each week and Latifi's like 15th, 16th then they're going to have to look to get rid. But if the car's still bad, it kind of over, it kind of like shadows Latifi's mediocrity, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, so a bit, it will remind me a bit of um, when Ericsson had been in the back market cars with uh, Nasa and Verline and people like that. We never realised quite how mid he was. And then when Leclerc came yeah. in in a decent car and scored like 40 more points, it was like, right, Ericsson's not actually very good. Yes, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. As well, though, obviously before the weekend, again... Sort of sad news, of course, Kimi Raikkonen. I think we kind of already had worked out he probably wasn't going to be at the Italian Grand Prix. Uh, but obviously, a little bit disappointed with that. I think a lot of the Italian fans are Kimi fans as well. They're obviously taking home Ferrari's last world title as well there. And their and last non-fraudulent win. win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can't forget that as well. So a little bit sad not to see Kimi. But again, we really sort of spoke about that uh, last week as well there. And of course... The final sort of, not quite announcement just yet, but talking point that I'm sure Jamie's gagging to get into then, of course, is Guan Yu Zhou looking likely to be moving to Alfa Romeo for next year? Very good news. Very good driver. Everyone calling him a pay driver on Twitter can do one. 
Um, They've literally said they're willing to give the team thirty million pounds or thirty yeah, million. Perez gives Red Bull that, that much. That's the definition of. No, he doesn't. He Red Bull don't need that money. No, Red Bull sponsors and stuff. They'll have like agreements between them, but it's not just them giving Red Bull money. They work together and stuff. But Guan Yu has earned his place. He's like gonna finish top two in the title this F two this season. But I love the fact you've changed that from he's going to win the F2. <laughs> I can't Carter be quite as confident you, this week. <laughs> do you genuinely believe there's a good chance Piastri will beat him this year? There is a good chance. Piastri always seems to have slightly more pace, but slightly less consistency. So obviously I hope Joe can still do it. We need a bit of luck, though. I think a DNF in a feature would be go very helpful from Piastri, which could happen. It's three d- dreadful circuits, though. So, yeah, we'll wait yeah, and see. We'll, we'll wait and see but about that. And top two will be, I think, basically guaranteed. Which... <laughs> yeah, it's looking more and more likely, isn't yeah. it, that it's going to be Piastri and Guan Yu Zhou there, unless, of course, Schwartzman decides suddenly he's going to be good again, uh, which is always a bit of a lottery call uh, with Robert Schwartzman as well there. Personally, yeah, again, I think this needs to be discussed as well. Obviously, again, we touched on this last week. Because of the how bad F2's calendar has been this year, most of the hype around who might get a Formula 1 seat has been based really on last year rather than this season because no one really has followed this year. It's really odd, isn't yeah. it, still? So there's been a lot like, more rumours about Eilat than it has been about won... Piastri. Exactly. Piastri won Formula Renault two years ago, won Formula 3 last year, might win Formula 2 this year. Literally the only other drivers in recent times we've seen do this are George Russell and Charles Leclerc. And Nico Hulkenberg. In recent times, Jamie, <laughs> not 15 years ago. Still did it. But yeah, I, yeah, I think they've... So did Hamilton. Well, Hamilton nearly did, didn't he? He did two yeah. years of GP2, I think. Fraud. I think if the calendar had been more normal and more regular, there'd be a lot more chat about Piastri. And also, I yeah. think if Renault or if Alpine hadn't confirmed their like, drivers so early, then there'd yes, be a lot more rumours yeah. about Ocon seat. Well, I, I think, think this is the thing, isn't it? I think really, because... They're, obviously, you've got Guan Yu Zhou as well, and then their third is Lunga. Yeah, Lungard's there as well. Lunga. So, really, I mean, you were kind of, I think, for Alpine, they don't want someone that sat around in Formula 2 for three years. Obviously, you already <laughs> had the GOAT Johnny and Palmer do that uh, for the team before. But I just don't think they expected to be Piastri as quick as he has been, have they? Because yeah. I wonder whether there would have been a bit more hesitation about hiring a Alonso for another year. Well, Piastri's done, like, amazingly well. It's, it's so difficult to win f2 in a rookie season and he could well not if you're good yeah but like if you win it in your rookie two season, seasons fair enough you are but three is ridiculous this is piastri's rookie season yeah no that's what i'm saying no, I'm, if, if you win it i'm after, big if you win it like your third attempt you're pretty mediocre yeah i know and i'm saying if you win it in your third year you're pretty mediocre what, like jolian farmer yes. oh that was his fourth year i think so. <laughs> was it oh jolian hi mate well i mean he got unlucky before then okay and he didn't have chinese money to fund it <laughs> oh yeah for sure but yeah, I think... Richard, for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. I, th- oh, I made that joke me. on Twitter the other weekend, so that must be bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think both drivers, like Alpine, not, that's not his name, Piastri or Joe, both completely warrant a call-up to F1. But unfortunately, the way it's fallen for Piastri, it looks unlikely to be this year. Although, yes. it wouldn't surprise me at all for him to be a reserve driver and then a full driver in 2023. Well, this is the problem, isn't it? Of whether you wonder if he's better off not winning the title this Almost, year. Almost, yeah. Although rookie he's season title won- is a big deal. So yeah, but look at like Eilat and stuff. Obviously, there were still loads of talks about him, and now that's kind of all gone away unless he suddenly takes the alpha seat. Hmm. Though he's, I think he's gone to IndyCar now, hasn't he? 
Yeah, yeah, we did an IndyCar race at Portland at the weekend, which was carnage, I must add. Yeah, so it, it's very easy to go like out of the public eye when you're an F2 driver, because like, even someone like Schwartzman, he was mad title favourite, definitely going to be an Alfa Romeo next year. He's had four bad races, or like not even four, maybe two bad weekends. The other two have been pretty decent. And suddenly he's, no one talks about him. Nowhere. Yeah. No, because again, he's been completely shown up by Piastri this year. Mm. Equal machinery and an equal team. Very, very difficult, isn't it, at the end of the day there. And I really do hope, obviously, because again, this is the other talk with Guan Yu Zhou, isn't it? Um, oh, um, is he just going to be there placeholder. as a placeholder for Porcher next year? I think in 2023, it's, it's possible. But I think the way that um, it works in F1, like once you're in F1, it's quite easy to stay almost if you do good. Yeah. Someone like Giovinazzi or even Latifi or to, to some extent Mazepin. Not really. He's just rich. But like you do decent and you have money. So it's Grand New Zealand. Yeah, but like people like Joe and Latifi uh, are decent and have money. So it, once you're on the grid, it's quite difficult to fall off the grid when you're rich. There's so. <laughs> yeah, sort of that sense of yeah. certainty, isn't there? Yeah, Maldonado yeah, said very, very difficult to judge. So. Yeah. Because, again, this all boils back down to Alpine need a junior yeah. team, or at least another team that they give engines to, don't they, desperately? Yeah, bring an 11. Because, obviously, there were the talks about Williams, weren't there? But that's sort of yeah. all completely gone now. Looking like the earliest entry might be 2023 for a new team, but that's even stretch at this point as well. So Yes, yeah. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. But their academy's rather stacked, and they're still hiring They've got, yeah, two Alonso and Oppen. Alonso's not mid, I respect him. Yeah, Well, I mean, one of them's won a race. <laughs> This oh, year. shut up. <laughs> you know if you for a fact that Alonso's been so much better than Ocon this season. For most of it, yeah. I, I can agree with that. Um, but anyway, yeah. Enough sort of discussion about things that didn't even relate to the weekend. <laughs> uh, but whilst Jamie and I were writing the notes for this, I completely forgot it was a sprint weekend again. So, Friday night, Mercedes... We kind of predicted this heading into the weekend, didn't we? That Mercedes would be strong. Yeah. And they came out... And dominated qualifying. I think they were basically one, two in every session. Yeah, and three in tenths qualifying. Clear of third as well. I think it was in the end. Yes, Which yeah, this it year looked is quite comfortable. Like after Q two, yeah, especially yeah when you consider how good sort of McLaren have been over one lap pace as well. There, but yeah, Bottas rather surprisingly took the pole by a tenth over Hamilton. Um, obviously, it was already confirmed then he would take grid penalties on Sunday. So whether he won the sprint race or not, it wouldn't matter. He'd be starting from the back. It's just so stupid. All these rules with it, isn't there? Because yeah. really, what you'd want is Bottas taking those penalties ready for the qualifying race, gets back up to like 12 that or 13, fair, and then could do a bit more in the race. Would it not? No, because then it's isn't tactical it? engine penalties, because everyone would take it at the races. That you've actually got a race and a, a bit more than a race to make up the places. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. But this is just the problem with sprint qualifying, isn't it? Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it created so much oddities over the course of the weekend, obviously. Latifi now has technically out-qualified George <laughs> Russell. Yeah. Bottas has got pole but started last at the same Grand Prix. I mean, that's happened before. Not well, not last, though. actually. Oh, I mean, Hamilton 2012, Spain. He got pole. Vettel. Were, no, that wasn't pole in Abu Dhabi the same that year. That was fuel, though, not penalties, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it's all just a bit... I, I, well, I mean, let's... Obviously, let's talk about the sprint race then. Obviously, there's, there wasn't really a huge amount that happened either, no, was there? <laughs> Hamilton got an awful start. Let's, let's quickly rattle through it then, I suppose. Hamilton obviously had an awful start, dropped down to... Uh, it was sick at turn yeah. one, wasn't it, in the end? Um, Max Verstappen squeezed out, I want to say, Ricardo. Yeah, it was Ricardo. Ricardo, who obviously then had to back up. And Verstappen obviously ran into him. Yeah, 
Um, obviously, then Gasly obviously went into the back of Ricardo with nowhere really to go because obviously they constantined it up. Then uh, obviously, then Gasly off. lost his front wing and crashed at the easiest track of easiest corner of the track. <laughs> yeah, with the front wing really lodged under a front tire, no reason for it. At yeah, all. <laughs> I, I must admit the shot from Hamilton's car, where you just see really Gasly scary, just go straight on. Yeah, but the gravel did it. It just job. looks mad. Exactly. Yeah, and he managed to actually get the car rotated a lot more round yeah. than we originally thought he would as well. Um, but yeah, really after that, not a lot happened in the sprint race, was there? No, Bottas, Bottas and walked away. Max pulled away. Ricardo and Norris held up Lewis as you'd expect them to. And yeah, like we said, Latifi now is officially after fifty, well, fifty Grand Prix for Latifi uh, for George at Williams. Uh, Latifi has now finally outqualified him, despite not outqualifying him. Huge asterisk next to it. <laughs> yeah, which yeah, it's just. It's just a bit egg, isn't it? Now, we've got one more sprint race to go this year. It just hasn't lived up to the hype, has it? I think we can agree. I don't mind it. I think it's it's better than an extra practice session. But it just seems a bit pointless at the same time. I don't know. I think they need to yeah. rework some elements of it. But it's, as a principle, it's not terrible. There's been a lot no, worse. No, I think as an I. I think what they desperately need, don't they, is a Brazil to be an absolute banger, like changeable conditions or something like that. Because even Silverstone had a bit of drama to it, didn't it? Obviously with Perez's mistake and, and all first, this, that and first the other. Lap battling was good as well. First lap battling, well, no, not in the. I know. This happened just went race? straight past, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it just, it. I think it just really does require a sort of a magical one. Because I must admit, for me, as I don't work Fridays. Unfortunately, on the one hand, it's really fun to sort of watch a qualifying on a Friday night. On the other hand, it completely screws me because I work Saturdays that I can't... Well, I work summer Saturday, which means I can't watch two of the Formula 2 races, which is annoying. I only get to see the feature race live, and I can't really record it either. <laughs> it just doesn't really add a whole lot to a weekend still, does it? I don't think. It just confuses a lot of people. It's very difficult to explain. Um, like... It feels very yeah. forced as well. I think is the problem. It's like forced you talk drama, about all, 100%. <laughs> all the all the, obviously the commentators and stuff are told to hype it up and say how brilliant it was. When you can clearly, it's like the AWS statistics, yeah, isn't it? They have it? to like it. You can tell they're told to hype it up and make it seem cool, but it just adds very little. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, obviously, you know, like we said, Bottas won ahead of Verstappen and then Danny Rick P3. Uh, that obviously meant that Bottas with his penalties would start from the back anyway. So, Verstappen had managed to egg pole <laughs> at a track where Mercedes was about half a lap faster than him half over a one lap. lap pace. Wow, that's like 40 half seconds. Second. Well, yeah. <laughs> Can we also, quickly, as we just talk about a lap as Monza, I just want to give a quick appreciation to the fact that all of Monza's sector times are pretty even. And that makes me happy. I didn't know that. That's interesting. The fact that all the sectors are around between 26.3 and 27 seconds makes me really warm. That's the worst inside. thing about Belgium is the, yeah. min- the well, last like sector is like 20 Abu Dhabi, seconds. for an example. Yeah. Yeah, at, well, first and last sector. Abu Dhabi, the last sector is like half the lap in terms of time. And the first sector is about 16 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it's egg. But Monza, they know how to do it. Yeah. Three sector splits that are all pretty even in terms of time. Yeah, brilliant. I just wanted to throw that out there. Just, I saw that and I thought, I like that. <laughs> and I needed to mention it in the podcast. This is crucial um, information you don't get anywhere else. Exactly. <laughs> you really don't get this sort of analytics in anyone else's Formula 1 podcast. But let's get on to Sunday then. Hamilton. Shockingly, it gets confirmed. Free race is starting on the hards. We also have all the drama down at Alpha Tauri, don't we? Yeah, I don't really see much of that, but 
as far as I can gather, Sonoda didn't start at all. And then Gasly, within like five laps, had the same issue and also retired. Well, Gasly reported an issue pre-race, and then they Sonoda was fine, and then suddenly Sonoda's car was out of the Grand Prix before it began. So I mean, Gasly's road to redemption after last so. year's Monza win. <clears throat> What's that? He would have scored the same amount of points if he had started Sonoda, so... Well, Sonoda? Yeah. Well, I mean, George Russell managed to score points, and there was every opportunity that Alfa Tauri could. Yeah, but Gasly's well clear of Sonoda. Sonoda's rubbish, so... Sonoda. Well, again, we haven't talked about that, have we? Sonoda obviously got confirmed again for next year. Oh, yeah. And he acted really surprised about it. When he was like, Yeah, bless him. I crash a lot. Why have they kept me? <laughs> yeah, which I thought was cute, bless him. Yeah. But I think he deserves another he year. He does, definitely. I think it's fair. Yeah. He's still very, very young, isn't he? It's what we all He's a day older than well me, there. so absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and somehow you've got the humour of a 90-year-old man, <laughs> but we won't dwell on that too much. Um, but yeah, obviously, like we said, Hamilton... Took a bit of a gamble starting on the hard compound tyres for the race. Turn one, it seemed to pay off. Got a decent launch. Obviously, really Ricardo well. stormed past Verstappen in towards turn one. Clear cut into the lead. Uh, Hamilton jumped Lando through the first couple of corners as well. So you had now Hamilton right behind Verstappen, Verstappen who couldn't get past Ricardo on a harder set of tyres. You come through Curva Grande. Hamilton pulls to the outside of Verstappen in towards turn four. Gets around the outside, side by side. Verstappen just slams the door. Your thoughts? I mean, on he that? doesn't slam the door, does he? <laughs> he does slam the door. There's Verstappen even, is I think, on a tiny bit of wheel-to-wheel contact. Yeah, he doesn't run him out of road like Leclerc did. He does. No, there's on there's a halfway wheel. through the corner. He does. Yeah, but he's taken the no, racing halfway line. Halfway through the corner, he slams. He knows that but if he takes that line. Hamilton's Verstappen... already alongside him into the corner. And the way the corner goes, he turned left, so Verstappen's got a much shorter line. So by the time he turned right again, Hamilton's no longer alongside. He's still completely alongside until he has to no back way. out. Because you can maintain more momentum because you've got a higher radius to the corner. That was a completely a lower radius. You're just saying words that you think sound good. I'm speaking fast. <laughs> we saw him do it to seven twenty eighteen. I mean, he was way more alongside that time. That's how I remember what you're on about then. He was completely alongside this time. He was exactly the same amount alongside. I don't think you're spitting facts. I don't think you watched the Grand Prix, so you don't know what I you're talking I watched the highlights. About. There was two things in the highlights. One was that, and one was the actual crash. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that's one of the two things I know about. And this is why it's so difficult to discuss this crash later on, isn't it? Because anything you can say about turn one being fair instantly makes the... Uh, sorry, turn four being fair instantly yeah. makes the crash later on seem more both drivers' fault. Like, if I was in a league race... Of which I haven't been for yep. six months now, or something like that. Yeah. And I was in Hamilton's position into turn four. Yeah. I'm fully expecting the car on the inside just to take their own line because they're ahead. Right. Okay. Which is what Verstappen did. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. For, they were completely alongside going into the corner, yeah. but okay. And Verstappen, um, it's the same if you've watched F2, uh, the yeah. Joe and Daruvula thing, although that was a bit stupid because both of them yes. just straight lined it and got away with it each. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, let's quickly then, we'll, we'll go back to that in just a second. Let's talk about the fact um, there was more carnage down at Turn 4, wasn't there? Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi has no eyes, it's been confirmed this week. And no week. spatial awareness, yeah. Well, exactly, I think they sort of come hand <laughs> yeah. in hand, don't they? What on earth was that against Carlos Sainz? I will never know. I have know. no clue. He just jumped the chicane for no reason, trying to think he was a big yep. man going past the Ferrari. Yep. And then just completely ran the other one out of road and spun. I was amazed that no yep. one crashed into him. Because that could have been nasty. No, that was pretty much a miracle, yeah. wasn't it, at the start? Like, fully side-on, blocking most of the track. 
Yeah, because in how good Geo's been over qualifying the last couple of weekends, I'm guessing he was maybe trying to get redemption on Sainz. Maybe, because Sainz sort of shut the door very yeah. harshly in uh, Zandvoort. Yeah. Although we say that, let's be fair, in those split-second decisions, you don't really decide yeah, based on things yeah. like that, do you? <laughs> but still. It was just a bit of a clown move from Geo, who I think he's on exactly. the way out anyway. So He's out the door, isn't he, yeah. surely? Well, this is what we said last week. Him and Schwartzman do a year in LMP2 ready for Ferrari's LMPH project still don't know what that means but yeah a Le Mans prototype hybrid oh cool yeah sure <laughs> which you know nothing about I watch about. a lot of motorsport outside F1 and F2 <laughs> exactly exactly uh, then obviously we also have Mazepin spinning his teammate Mick Schumacher around uh, that such one a pointless actually rather surprising. got yeah. I don't know why. It got cleared up, though. Mazepin apologised, which I was pleasantly surprised by. And then also retired later on, meaning Mathematically is he is out of the title hunt. Yeah, and so is Kubica. so is Mick Schumacher, but no one mentioned that. And Kubica. Yeah. So, right. And Kubica also ahead of ahead of Mazepin in the championship now. Yep. Mazepin's Mazepin 21st, is now 21st 20 in the 20-car championship. <laughs> GG's to him. Right. Let's get into it then, Jamie. <laughs> we watched the top four pull away. Maxon has a slow stop about 11 seconds there. Not, I think it was a wheel gun issue, wasn't it? Yeah, front right, I think. Something like yeah, that. front right. Um, so he then is clearly very frustrated. He's on the radio to the team telling him just to leave him alone, all this, go away. <laughs> Obviously very, very upset, despite the fact Perez is normally the one that gets screwed by Red Bull stops over the course of these years so far. Hamilton also has a slightly slow stop, doesn't he? It was about four, four seconds, seconds rather than sort of high twos that Mercedes do. They come out of the pit lane. Down towards turn one. Hamilton's still in front. Verstappen then breaks, obviously, on warmer rubber. Breaks later down around the outside. Gets about half the car alongside. Hamilton squeezes him out. Or not. Verstappen won't back out. And launches we know the, the curb Onto Hamilton's halo. Well, he hits the curb and then launches off Hamilton's yeah. tyre. I think that the stewards got this wrong, personally. I think it's a complete race. Do you? I think the stewards have actually got this right. Well, I, it doesn't. I don't really care because he's going to take engine penalties anyway. So the three place penalty was pretty meaningless. Y- exactly. But yes. But in the, on the entry into the right hand of turn one, Hamilton yep. does not use a car's width for Verstappen. For starters, Verstappen. In the same way, Verstappen doesn't. To no, on the way into yeah, turn one, he Verstappen's does. Verstappen's got a wheel on the, on the green. Still part of the track at that point. No, it's it? not. It's over the white line. Come on, that's what Leclerc did. Well. Well, yeah. So, but it's he got it because it wasn't grass, luckily. No. So, no. there's an issue for Hamilton, and then and and to be fair, Hamilton's a uh, car wits in front going into the braking zone. Verstappen sends Verstappen it around the outside. Late, to be fair, yeah. Yeah. To try and, and get anywhere alongside. He's fully entitled to put his car where he puts it. In the same way Hamilton was at turn yeah. four. And then right, the, he, the problem comes because the sausage curb on the inside of turn two launches Verstappen's car slightly in the air which means he literally can't turn which he probably would have done at that point and then he's out of control and hits Hamilton and they're both out of the race so I think it's a complete racing incident I can see mm. why they've given a penalty because at the end of the day Verstappen has been the aggressor and they've both ended up in the gravel out of the race so I can see why it's been given Yeah, but I I think if it was the other way around I don't think they would have given a penalty I think if it was the other way around, Hamilton would have backed out. Yeah, he would have out. jumped over the curves at turn two, actually. <laughs> exactly. And the fact that... The problem, the thing was I sort of felt with it all from the other side is 
clearly Verstappen was pretty annoyed at that point, obviously, with the pit yeah. stop. Obviously, he might—he didn't necessarily mess up the start, but he didn't. He should have probably stayed in the lead, shouldn't he, down into towards turn one. He was already stuck behind Ricardo. It felt Nothing like was going from, his way almost. Like no, it felt like from my perspective, Verstappen had obviously clearly seen Hamilton come out the pit lane in front of him, and just thought, "Sod it, I'm going to leave the car there. If he backs out, he backs out, and I make the move. If not, we crash and we both go out." Yeah, hundred percent. And for me. I struggle when someone's got that mentality when they just because he said afterwards, didn't he? He went, "You've got a, two cars, got to make it work." Verstappen is never a driver that will allow it to work for someone else. Why does he suddenly then believe that someone else needs to give him room? It is a bit. I mean, he's just playing to the media there quite clearly. Because what else are you going to say? Just, oh yeah, I made a mistake and took out Hamilton. He's not going to say that, is he? So, I I sort of agree with Toto Wolf, which is rather worrying. When he says it was like a tactical foul in football, I think yeah. at the point when Hamilton leaves the pits on softer tires, he's yep. going to win the race. Like I said, Verstappen clearly just yeah. was like, if, if it doesn't work, we're both yeah. out. I don't care. And if Verstappen is and you could, behind Hamilton after the first corner, Hamilton's going to win and gain points in the championship. So Verstappen has to try yeah. something. If it works, he's up ahead of him and maybe beats him in the race. We don't know. If it doesn't work, they're both out. No one gains any points. So I can completely see why he did it. It was a little bit snaky. And in 20 years, people will probably call him Michael Schumacher because he deliberately caused a crash to, to help him in the title. Potentially. Maybe in a, he writes an autobiography when he's 50. We'll have to wait and see. No, the problem is Verstappen is completely bred into a culture where nothing is his fault. But I think people would have said that about, um, about Michael Schumacher. And even after, like, Jerez 97 or um, Adelaide 94, Schumacher could admit they're both deliberate crashes, probably because they're quite obvious. So I think after he maybe retires, he'll be able to look back on it and be like, yeah, I knew what I was doing there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he clearly knew what he was trying to do there, isn't it? And I think this is the difficult thing, because, again, it's so difficult obviously especially when you look at Silverstone as well Verstappen's clearly very upset in that moment and knows exactly what he's doing but again and this is I think something else obviously we need to talk about as well quickly had the halo not been there that could have easily been obviously let's just talk hypotheticals here and obviously we don't want to get too dramatic but Hamilton could have been seriously injured yeah, in that moment. Yeah, would have been massive. Like, and I think impressive. this is why they've given the... Th- because let's be fair, had obviously in, let's had things gone really badly in that situation, Verstappen could have been banned for the rest of the year had there not been the halo there. Yeah, that's very hypothetical, but I'm trying to decide if I agree with you or not. Exactly, that's what I mean, yeah. <laughs> but the halo did a very good job. And What's we, that? I was trying to decide if I agree with you or not in the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the halo's there for a reason and it did... It's the Halo well. saved, ha- and I think this is why uh, the FIA have obviously ha- almost felt like they have to give Verstappen a penalty in this situation. It was a very dangerous because to cause. up to this point, Verstappen hasn't had any reason to back out of moves because they yeah. just haven't done anything about it up to this point. And again, this is something we've discussed as well, haven't we, in the past that we look back at the great battle between Alonso and Hung- uh, Alonso and Hamilton at Hungary. We've got now a generation of drivers that see Verstappen slam people out of the way, 
or not, not physically slam them out of the way, but just completely slam the metaphorical just, like, door shut. The door when they've got the Lando guns. Norris has now done it in Austria yeah. a couple of times. Leclerc Charles Leclerc's it done often. it before. We're going to have a really big issue at some point where, despite obviously the halo coming in, there is still a good chance someone might get hurt because they just there's they're very little sort of almost gentleman driver racing respect at the moment, isn't there? And I, have the, I think the FI do genuinely need to have a big look at it. Yeah. Well, it's just that quote all the time you need to leave a space, which no one yeah. no one does anymore. <laughs> no. Like the- and I think this is the problem, isn't it? Because Hamilton has done that on occasions this year already. Mm. Imola, had he not backed out, he could have easily sent Verstappen barrel rolling into the gravel like we saw all those years go back. But was it 06, wasn't it? It was um, a different corner, yeah. but could have been the same sort of idea. Yeah. Spain as well had... Obviously, uh, Spain, it was far more likely Hamilton would have come worse off in that situation. But, but even then, theoretically, out, yeah. Verstappen could have broke a suspension arm if he'd gone over the wheel. It's just unnecessary risk. And the way the cars are designed, if you're on the inside, apart from Hamilton getting stupidly lucky in Silverstone, usually you're okay. Uh, oh, no, that's, that proves a point, actually. So, like, the car on the inside yeah, exactly. is the one... <laughs> yeah. Because there's no real force but, on the actual contact. It's yeah. usually the outcome of that, which is a spin or a flip or whatever. The car on the yes, inside yeah. is usually gets off right. better than Especially the car if it's on the outside, wheel to wheel. or at worst, it's yeah. you're both out. So, yeah. like drivers on the inside just think they have such an entitlement. And I think I will rewatch them. Obviously, when Gasly retired from a race, I had to go and rewatch 2020 highlights. Um, and the way Kimi Raikkonen races everyone, there's a the move where science goes around the outside of Raikkonen at turn one, and then the move yeah. later on where Stroll goes around the outside of turn four. Raikkonen leaves exactly a car's width plus a few millimetres and he does it perfectly yes. and both of them yeah. are really good overtakes but they're allowed by Raikkonen because he's a respectful driver and if it was and another again, driver on the inside they probably would just force them out Yeah, because really now I'd argue you've probably got three drivers that still most of the time do that maybe a few more that I'm sort of forgetting but really you've got Raikkonen Alonso and obviously again because I think and probably Hamilton as well, I'd say, most of the time. Obviously, Hamilton's this one is a bit of an edge case. Yeah, but I think at the now. moment, there is such a psychological war as well between Verstappen and Hamilton as well, because we've seen it before in the past. Mm. Most people jump out of the way of Max Verstappen. Yeah. Because they just know he's not going to back down. We saw, I think, the first real example I can remember of this from Hamilton was Bahrain 2018, I want to say. Yeah, when Verstappen, where Verstappen tried it. to slam him out, and Hamilton just wasn't having it. Yeah. And, gave him and a you know damage. full well Verstappen is completely a driver that once he's done that to you, in the same way Senna used to be, wasn't it? Once you've done that once, they know you're psychologically buried, isn't it? It's like Bottas tax. He jumps Verst- out of the way of everyone. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, Verstappen even has that, doesn't he? Bottas tax on overtakes. He says it doesn't count as yeah, when, um, overtake. Yeah, when him and Ricardo Bottas. were talking about the best overtakes of 2018. Yeah, moves of the year. And it was yeah. like, it doesn't count because he's on Bottas. <laughs> like, they literally say it to the exactly. media. It's so bad. But I don't think the war, like the psychological battle, is going either way at the minute because I don't think Verstappen's going to change his approach. And I don't. No, think, Verstappen won't change his approach. I don't think Hamilton's going to own... stand for it. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hamilton knows full well he can't because Hamilton yeah. just won't now back out of things like that. Because obviously we saw, like for example, he could have done the same sort of thing to Alonso at Hungary. He could have just completely like sent it on him at a corner, forced Alonso out wide. Maybe he got away with it without damage. Maybe they both get a little bit of damage yeah. there, but he has to drive differently with Verstappen because he's got to still prove to Verstappen that no matter how many times he tries, Hamilton isn't going to back down, isn't going to play second fiddle to it, yeah. like a lot of drivers have had to now. Yeah, and it's 
it's interesting to watch it happen for sure because because like again yeah. we've sort of seen it with i remember hamilton discussed it after baku 2017 didn't he it's talking about with vettel i think it, i can't remember whether it was the bbc or someone else he was talking with after the season and sort of saying he knew in that moment he had vettel in his back pocket yeah and that was it because once vettel makes that really bad error with crashing into hamilton because yeah. he's mad deliberately yeah. under safety car he knows that he's got him sorted psychologically same thing sort of happened exactly. in 2015 and with Rosberg, although he was able to fight back in 16. But like the yes, amount of times yeah. that Rosberg tried going outside of Turn One at Hamilton on like so many different tracks, and Hamilton just forced. But him that out. took a complete write off of a season for Rosberg. Yeah. Whilst Hamilton, obviously, he did well in the races. Don't get me wrong, but he also did just a lot of stuff he wanted to outside of it. And that's the thing for Hamilton, isn't yeah. it? He can have those couple of years where he does a lot of other stuff outside of it, and then he sort of gets that one year where he really needs to sort of like knuckle this down, like a 2016 and again, get yeah. the job done. <laughs> This could end up being a bit more like 2016. But again, even then, Hamilton, I think because of the way 2016 ended up, where Hamilton was unlucky because of that engine failure at yeah. Malaysia. Rosberg, don't get me wrong, it was the greatest year he ever did in Formula 1. Mm. And out of the three years where they were close was the one he deserved to win out of the three. But you can't argue against Hamilton was also unlucky and could have easily won that title as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. But there were many, like Hamilton... Even with the engine failure, he made like six. He had or mistakes seven as well. Don't it was, it was, it was almost the perfect storm, wasn't it? it was for Rosberg, such a good season. I would, I would love to watch it. Deep down, he knew he was never on the same level as yeah. Hamilton, didn't he? But everything sort of fell in place to Rosberg. Hamilton got unlucky a few times. Wasn't quite in the right mindset at the start of the year. There were some weekends where and Rosberg it just was came out of the end. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, but I think it, I just, remember... it all came together for Rosberg in the end, and I think he knew that. Hence, why he didn't race again. Yeah, because he knew he could never top it, which is probably fair enough, because he was probably yeah right, looking back. Yeah. It gave Hamilton a new desire to go for it, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, which it, Hamilton's been on such a different level since 17 onwards, but the way Verstappen's exactly. challenging in this year, I think if Verstappen ends up winning the title, then you've got the new challenge of Russell coming in. It could spell the end for Hamilton if Russell comes in and beats him. Oh, yeah, and I think Hamilton knows full well... He's probably only got another couple of years in the sport at most. Yeah, maybe 2024, but we'll wait and see. But I think if, yeah. if Verstappen wins the title this year and then Russell comes in and starts beating Hamilton, it will basically spell the end for Hamilton quite quickly. But then equally, yeah. it could easily be that Hamilton wins the title this year and then wins the title next year as well. And then he's here yep. for three or four more years, so we don't know. Oh, I, I the thing is with Hamilton now, I think for Lewis he would probably want to go out on a high I don't he? believe that at all you don't if you remember how not. how vicious he was to Rosberg when he retired after winning the title yes he was like that yeah. I could never do that I could never leave after being on top no I don't but think, I think he goes back bit... on that unless he announces his retirement mid-season and then that's what I mean it, yeah. if, he, if he announces retirement say like say for example obviously he does next year whether he walks away with the title or not and then announces like 2023 this is going to be his last yeah. year and then wins it again. Fair play. He's done everything he's had to. He's proved himself. He's been on his own terms the whole time. For a lot of people, I think they would say Hamilton is the greatest Formula One driver of all time. It's still of. It's never going to be a debate that gets fully decided. I think we both know that yeah. full well, and I think we've both got sort of our own ideas of where he ranks in terms of against obviously all the other legends of the sport, but. 
Hamilton also won't be a driver that fades into obscurity either. No way. It's... There will never be a time where... There will never be a weekend, even if Russell is right on pace with him, where you don't think Hamilton can do anything to match him. Yeah. Consistently. And I think even the most fervent Ferrari Schumacher fanboys will admit that Hamilton's easily top two. Like, you can't get away from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And even for me, I can... I still rate Senna as the greatest of all time in terms of being able to get the absolute limit out mm. of a car because he was driving some of the most difficult Formula 1 cars of all time. We should do a podcast on that, and our top 10s or top 5s. We're going to have to, definitely, <laughs> yeah, at some point down the line as well. I mean, we've completely gone off topic yeah, on this one. Yeah, we're not talking about Verstappen as well. We? There's not a lot else to discuss, is there, really, Ricardo this Grand Prix? Let's be that? real. <laughs> well, we got Ricardo and McLaren winning, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll touch on that in just a moment. But, yeah, I think... I don't think this will be the last time Hamilton and Verstappen come together, and I think the only way things are going to change is if Verstappen has a couple more DNFs where Hamilton comes through to win it. If Verstappen gets to a few races to go, and say, for example, he has two DNFs in a row or something like that, and he's then 40 points behind. (laughs) I don't know. I think Verstappen is self-confident enough to be resolute in his decisions and his decision-making. but Well, you say self-confident enough i almost see it as a naivety of the fact he's brought up in this culture where verstappen they just genuinely don't believe he makes mistakes yeah i think he's mad enough to and admit it, some it's mistakes, dangerous though. to see yeah in some degree if because again you can't have a driver who simply never believes they can do anything wrong because that's how people get hurt yeah because you do whatever you want and then someone ends up in a barrier flipped yeah, or something like that. You can't have a certain level of naivety. And I don't think Verstappen's reached that point just yet. But I think he's getting perilously close. And you just hate to think that there could at some point be, whether that be for him or for someone else. I think it ends up where like, suddenly we he got wakes a little up and realizes... snapshot back in Silverstone last or two years ago now in 19 with the Verstappen versus Leclerc, where both of them just yeah. refuse to give up at all. And yeah. the amount of weaving down the straights and high speed change the direction and stuff yeah. it's going to end up with someone in a barrier at about 200 miles an hour at some point so I mean it happened at Cops this year but that was less that was more um, unfortunate than inevitable yeah <laughs> it's very very difficult isn't yeah. it to sort of still talk about I think at the end of the day there but yeah let's let's get back then to the Grand Prix <laughs> um, quickly then like we said before we discuss McLaren's 1-2 and obviously the final race results let's quickly talk about Ocon and his squeeze of Sebastian Vettel. That was just that poor. got a five-second time penalty. <laughs> really poor from Ocon. So I, I mean, I've always been of the opinion that what Leclerc did to Hamilton should have been a penalty. I think everyone can admit. I that. think everyone is, yeah. aren't they? Really, <laughs> unless you're a Leclerc fan. Yeah, but obviously because it's Monza and Ferrari and their first win in nine years, they're obviously going to just let Leclerc get away with it and penalise any other any other time yeah. it happens. And this is where, because literally you watch those two moves side by side. They're almost they are carbon copies of each other. You can't say anything that Leclerc did that Vettel or Ocon didn't in that situation. Yeah. They are pretty much identical and it should have been black and white. Either penalties for both or penalties for neither. Yeah. But the FIA inconsistency returns. So. Exactly. And this is, I think, is another debate, the, the, another can of worms that gets opened up with it, isn't it? Why don't we have fixed stewards for every Grand Prix? I mean, three of them are fixed, aren't they? And then one driver steward. I don't think so. I thought that was how it worked. I think more of them are changed around. That's interesting. In all honesty. But yeah, they should be fixed stewards. Because the rules are so... And regardless how much you 
make the rules concrete, they're still going to be subject to interpretation. Oh, yeah. Racing so, is so, so difficult. Subjective. And like we said a couple of weeks ago about Massey, wasn't it? I can't think of a worse job yeah. to have in Formula One. Because everything you do, every decision you make has so many subjections to it that like yeah. it's impossible to please everyone. So yes. at least yeah. have the same stewards having the same interpretation of the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Twitter's also terrible. Again, oh, yeah. we feel like we say this most weeks, don't we? Yeah, they? people having to go um, on under Merva for some reason. Yep. I mean, as much as a lot of the Hamilton Verstappen beef towards each other is annoying and frustrating to watch as well, the one that really struck me, yeah, was people attacking Alan van der Merva. How do people not understand the medical card doesn't go out there again in a Grand Prix? Especially when they've seen Hamil- Hamilton spinning the wheels. Exactly. So. <laughs> this is again the other thing, isn't it? You had all these Verstappen fans kicking off at Hamilton for trying to reverse whilst Verstappen's getting out of the car. That was just in retaliation because Verstappen didn't check on Even Hamilton he did. <laughs> afterwards. But he didn't know at the time, did he? No, he, just looked, he glanced off, over I and thought. saw the wheel spinning and it's like, okay, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's so stupid. And obviously, you had this other thing as well about Verstappen trying to light up the wheels again whilst he's literally on Hamilton's helmet, or not at that point, wasn't he? No. It wasn't on Hamilton's helmet anymore. But that's just him but... naturally trying to get the car going like you would. No, so. that's the clutch. Is it? Yeah. That's, oh, well, that's what happens well. with the diff and the clutch at that point, is obviously because it's still in the air, it spins for a couple of seconds. Obviously, the other wheel doesn't because it's on a surface. Yeah. But obviously, the wheels then, yeah, just spin in, in, independently quickly, obviously, because of the diff. But like, I don't genuinely think Verstappen did that yeah, deliberately. 17 year old Twitter girls know better than mechanics and engineers. So Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the, the attacks toward Alan van der, van der Merwe were ridiculous. He literally saved a man's life less than a year ago. <laughs> exactly. If I think genuinely, the like the medical team are pretty much the only ones that don't get things wrong in Formula yeah. One. I think it's probably the safety of Formula One and the medical teams are arguably probably the greatest asset we've got in the sport. And they're I think definitely for the, the wider best audience themselves. So. Yep. As well. Yeah. Again, obviously, we've already spoke about the Halo probably saving Hamilton's life or at least saving him from serious injury. But how, yeah, how people can attack them, I think, is beyond preposterous. Let's get into a more positive note then once more. McLaren back on top at last. We'd wondered it through the weekend. Obviously, they were pretty damn quick. They were on the pace with Red Bull, but things finally. I I actually tweeted out Saturday, didn't I? Uh, you you picked me up for getting one team name wrong. Yep, but racing still. point don't exist in your book. Racing point, obviously. Um, Alpine, Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, Alpha Tauri, Alpha Tauri have all won Grand <laughs> Lotus as well. Have all won Grand Prix since McLaren last have, and finally they're back on top. And neither of us are Ricardo fans. I think we can admit I was happy. We like Ricardo, yeah. but I think we were. I'm a McLaren fan still deep down. I don't it mind was... them. I, I, I like seeing people do well if I like them. So, yeah. I was happy yeah. for Ricardo, for sure. Yeah. Richard. I think for Ricardo as well, it is a huge booster. Yeah. But I wonder how deep down Lando Norris is a bit upset by that. Yeah, you can tell he's sort of putting a face on it, like happy for the team and really happy yeah. for the other one too. But you know and he could have won he's if he right wanted to. to bless yeah. Him. But you got to think, he must have gone back to that hotel room that night and thought... That's a win. That should have been mine. <laughs> It's like yeah. Ralph Schumacher and Spartanite. Yeah. How have I let? Yeah. How have I let a man that I've been destroying all year, crippling his value in Formula One, win and a race. he's the one that comes <laughs> away with the win. Yeah. 
it's unfortunate for Norris, but I'm sure he'll get plenty of wins throughout his career. So Exactly, yeah. And this, yeah, I mean, McLaren, like we said, first win in nine years, first one, two in 11 years, which I thought was insane. Yeah, Canada's I thought Canada. they must have had a one, two in 2012. No. Nope. Because of how rapid the car was, but apparently not. Um, first non Hamilton win for a British driver, obviously, again since 2012. Wow. Yeah, that's true. Oh, sorry, no, that's not right. Is it not? Because Ricardo won, not Hamilton. Oh, yeah. And not Norris. <laughs> He's not British. <laughs> <laughs> No, Ricardo's not the Commonwealth isn't reunited no. again. That's that's a made up stat uh, that doesn't make any sense. McLaren with the most um, points first ever at a race Australian win since Ricardo. 2012? 20, 2018. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't Come on. Oh. I'm just trying to pick up things. You're talking rubbish. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Ricardo's won seven races since the last time Weber won. So. Yep. Eight races now, but yeah. Yep. McLaren with the most points ever at one weekend. No, that's not true no, either. Williams. Not true either. We're <laughs> <laughs> just making stuff up. This is great. They do have um, the first one two of the season. That's definitely true. Yep, that was actually true. Yep, which is kind of crazy. But on the other hand, not particularly when because Bottas Red Bull and Mercedes rubbish. just sabotage each other for fastest lap bonus points. Yep, and Bottas and Perez are rubbish. So. Yep. Um. But yeah, it was good to see McLaren back on top. I think we need McLaren back on top as well. But I can't help but feel like next year might be mediocre. The way it's going, with you've got arguably the four most exciting young drivers in Verstappen, yep. Leclerc, Norris, yep. and Russell. Leclerc, Russell, in Norris. the top four teams, it's going to be incredible yep. if they're actually equal pace, which they could be, come twenty twenty three and twenty four. Yes. So, actually, twenty twenty two exists as well. Why not? I think the first year someone's going to come up with an eggy loophole that's going to destroy yeah, probably the Mercedes knowing that quite possibly I feel like yeah they wouldn't be this car but like right now there's upgrades. so much it's almost the it'll either it's been be ever. it'll either yeah be Mercedes find a loophole or Adrian Newey just pulls out wizardry yeah comes up with a car with 16 rear wings <laughs> yeah um <laughs> But I think there's going to be a lot of hype and excitement ready for next year. But we've got to appreciate we've still got a mega title battle going on this year. Mm. But we had a mega title battle going on in 2017 and 2018 up to about this point. Things can Seven still fall apart go? very quickly. I think Seven races to go. Yeah, that was about Singapore in 2017, I suppose, I'd argue. yeah. It swung very quickly. All it takes is one more DNF. I mean, Verstappen has kind of already got his bad luck out of the way, it feels like, with uh, the likes of... If bad luck doesn't work like that in no not at all but like statistically speaking you should say he's going to be alright now but yeah Hamilton also I obviously we know he's a really good driver but I want to hate on him a bit he's not doing very well in terms of race wins by his usual standards which when I looked at it actually earlier no. it was quite surprising quite how average he's been this season because it's obviously three wins in the first four races and since then he's had one win in the next ten which is like wow but Red Bull have consistently I'd argue with the exception of Monza where Mercedes should have won and Hamilton I reckon still could have won yeah. not probably would have but could have still won that you could have done, yeah. Red Bull have had the faster car and Verstappen is on his day a relentless winning machine yeah but then when you say I that think... Ocon and Ricardo have won races in that time and yep, that's also true. <laughs> I can understand that. Hamilton is doing 
distinctly average in terms of race wins. Obviously, consistency is still there, which is his biggest asset, I'd say. Yes, and I think this is the thing yeah. with Hamilton, isn't it, at the moment? He is much more He's consistent on the podium, than Verstappen. Basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think... I can sort of understand what you're saying with Hamilton, isn't it, as well? And I think it's very difficult because not often have we had a year where Hamilton's in a title battle with a slower car that I think the thing was what a lot of people forget sort of with like the Ferrari Mercedes battle wasn't it that Mercedes was much quicker down the straights Ferrari was much quicker through the corners so although you had a couple of decent battles really it was a lot of weekends it was either clearly going to be a yeah, Ferrari like win limitation. or it was yeah. clearly going to be a Mercedes win we had it a bit more in 2018 sort of a halfway stage of the year before Ferrari brought their reverse upgrades on <laughs> where there were Downgrade a few more Grand Prix that were a bit in the middle but, but yeah, ev- almost every weekend you can bet on Hamilton Verstappen meeting on track somewhere, which is really good for the sport and like very exciting to watch. And it makes yeah. a much better title fight than all the pseudo title fights people say happened in seventeen and eighteen. So it's very well. I think seventeen and eighteen wasn't it? it was just the complete collapse. Like seventeen for I think both seasons had Hamilton and Vettel been in the opposite cars, Hamilton, Hamilton could have walked yeah. away with both titles yeah. still. But you can talk Ferrari about Ferrari bottling it. You can funny. talk about Seb bottling it as well. But they had a car capable in the right conditions of winning both seasons. Yeah. But there um, we go. Quickly, before we mention, whilst we're talking about sort of Mercedes and stuff, then shout out to Bottas. Got his P45. Did dominated yeah. qualifying, which was not qualifying, and then dominated the race that was actually qualifying. <laughs> and then, really. Up until he got to the Red Bulls and McLarens, did slice his way through the field, which we don't really see from Bottas too often, which is worrying because you'd expect that from Hamilton. Yeah. But Bottas has been known in the past to just get stuck behind cars. Well, even like 2020, he got stuck behind the midfield cars and just stayed sixth all race. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Bottas did very well. I think it was a, like a, it's almost like a weight of his shoulders, knowing that yeah. not having the pressure on him with Mercedes and knowing he's on his way out, like. He doesn't need to care anymore. He doesn't need to perform because he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't care if he takes a risk and it doesn't pay off yeah. at this point. So I was happy for him. I also saw a, a picture of um, the who was it? Zach Brown and the two McLaren drivers on the podium celebrating together, and Bottas just stood in the background, like looking really sad. And it's like, yes, this is a kid who was yeah. abused by his parents who sees a happy family. <laughs> yeah, which is a terribly dark place yeah. to take this. But, but it's true. I saw that tweet as well. You're not going to be able to. Ha- McLaren won't have that environment if they're world championship. No, contenders. and you're not able, especially when you're. It just two can't driver. exist yeah. in Formula One. People just don't. It's a miracle that Bottas and Hamilton have stayed as decent well, as Bottas they are. Bottas is so mid that he's never really an issue. Exactly. <laughs> it just can't exist in Formula One. Mm. And I'm sure there has been some stuff behind the scenes this year. Like sometimes you've sort of looked at like because I think a lot of people saw Ricardo go into McLaren and thought, "Great, there's going to be so much meme culture this year. It's going to be wonderful." Teammates Lando don't Norris get and Daniel on. Ricardo, king of the memes. Yeah, teammates just don't but, get on. Generally, no, it's they're your rival. They're yeah. the person that decides how much you get paid at the end of the year. Really, and if by you stay teams. at F1, like yeah. Exactly. You can't like, get on with that them. sort of culture can't exist in Formula One forever. And I'm sure if McLaren get to World Championship contenders, people go, "What happened to the Uwu McLaren that won races?" <laughs> Bring back Carlos and back Lando. Back in 2021, <laughs> yeah. It's just egg, isn't it? Yeah. People just don't seem to understand. It's a business and a sport at the end of the day, not just something <laughs> for entertainment. Yeah, it's funny, but there we go. Yes. Um. Quick shout out as well before we round out. George Russell, P9. Yeah. Williams getting points just isn't mentioned anymore. 
Three points in the last four Grand Prix. It was always going to be the way with Russell, isn't it? It took forever to get yeah. him, and now three buses arrive at once. Yeah. So, fair play. Fair play to him. Actually beat off um, on pure pace as well, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're hopefully as well. I think Jamie might have forgot about this. Next week is hopefully going to be a special Schumacher documentary review oh, podcast yeah. type thing, which we're going to do because that comes out I today to at the that. time of this video going yeah. live. I mean, uh, obviously, tomorrow for us. I'm going to be hopefully watching that tomorrow as well. So, yeah, make sure if you aren't already, do get yourself subscribed for that as well. Jamie, anything to add before we round off? Schumacher's the GOAT. Oh. <laughs> no, uh, this I'll, is wait until, be another podcast I'll wait the until... I'll wait until Hamilton's career is over before judging. But right yes. now, Hamilton's probably I mean, the GOAT. <laughs> Hamilton, had he scored, what, 34 more points in the right times, could have been a 10-time Formula 1 world You're going to say, yeah, if had Schumacher scored about 6 more points in the right time, he could have been about a 14-time champion. When? Uh, well, 97. Uh, if... 97, he could have been world champion anyway, had he not been yeah. an egg. Well, if he'd have got through, they wouldn't have... Um, they wouldn't have disqualified him from the championship uh, 99 yep. he broke his leg when he was winning the title still means he would have needed more than 6 points yeah it's true uh, 06 for sure uh, yeah engine um, fair enough that was definitely the one that got away yep and apart from that though 98 was he good or not I can't remember 98 I, I can't remember as if I was born whooped him yeah but Schumacher's good I mean it went I went down to like the final race and if he didn't retire he would have won 07 and 08 and 09 no I'm not 09 <laughs> Oh seven oh eight, you would have won as well. But Ferrari didn't want him anymore. They did. No, they didn't. They'd already announced Kimi was replacing him. I don't know why they like. Obviously, Kimi won a title, but fair. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about this in the Schumacher podcast. Yeah, we're definitely <laughs> going to do a special podcast, aren't we? I said, well, no, I don't want to put it in the Schumacher podcast. That's terrible. Is it? We're talking, we're talking about, about this whole Schumacher. documentary about him, and then we're just talking about how meaty he is. No, he's not. He's one of the best ever, easily. Well, exactly. And I really, exactly. I really, really hope I, it's not going to happen. But I really hope we see him in the in the documentary. I don't think we will. I, we won't. I don't yeah. think. But but I just want some information. We? Yes. Yeah. Jamie's a conspiracy theorist as well. There. But I'm not. <laughs> anything to add before we round this out? I mean, this is I think been on par with the longest. What these podcasts are just getting longer yeah, and longer I don't know. each week. We spoke about twenty minutes about F1 psychology, but it's actually quite relevant this week. It wasn't just it talking was, about yeah. houses for ten minutes. So, no, or LaSalle, Qatar. Yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason. Which still might come to the calendar. We don't yeah, know yet. It will, probably. Um, no, no race this week. F2 and F3 nope. at Russia is going to be fantastic. Yeah, oh God, we're going to have to do so many <laughs> predictions, aren't we? I'm not talking uh, let's, about F3. Let's do quick then Russia predictions for F1. Bottas uh, will get pole on the win. And then, not pole, he'll qualify third and get the win. And then... Who else? Probably Hamilton Verstappen. Why not? <laughs> Wait, so you honestly believe Mercedes are going to be in a 1 2 situation and they're going to let Bottas Actually, win? Actually, that's true. Bottas, Verstappen, Hamilton. They're both going to take engine pens and come back. Yeah, but Verstappen has to start behind Hamilton anyway. Yeah. Fair enough. No, I'll, I'll. Fair enough. I'm going to go Hamilton, Bottas, Lando. You're just begging that Verstappen has something go wrong now aren't you <laughs> no I reckon he's going to start from the back and finish fourth he will be fourth by lap 10 if he starts last or in a barrier well lots of cars might be in barriers but he won't be yeah <laughs> just be like what's it that old the picture of the plane isn't it get like a the plow on the front of his car the explosions <laughs> behind it yes yeah that as well um 
but yeah thank you all so much for watching once again like we said these podcasts are just getting longer and longer as each week goes impressed. on um, I'm going to announce the clips channel soon as well I have actually already made it but I'm going to try and get a few clips on there uh, there are four already on there so I might leave a link down below if I remember as well but yeah we'll be back uh, next week discussing the Schumacher documentary and after that ready for the Russian Grand Prix <laughs>